If you're here today and you think, I came to church to do my duty to throw a chip on my side of the thing so that when I get to heaven, I can say, well, I went to church. You're wasting your time if that's what you think is going to get you into heaven. We're in Acts 14, verses 8 through 10, where Paul has been used by God to heal a man who was lame from birth. And there are some powerful lessons here about faith and what God has done for us through Christ. Here's Pastor David. The important part of this man in Lystra, the important part of his faith, was actually not the faith that he had to be healed in his legs. The important part of his faith was his faith in Jesus Christ and his power to redeem the power of the resurrection, the ultimate, the big power, the healing thing was a smaller thing. That was an A4 terror. That was a, obviously, if he has the power to do this, he has the power to do that. If he can rise from the dead, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, yeah, I think that my thing is okay. There are people who want to live forever on, in this world and want God to heal them all the time. There are people who want to live long so badly that they'll eat kale. Seriously, there are people who do that. They don't even eat donuts. That's, that, that happens, okay? There are people like that. I know it's strange, but there are people who want to do that. I can tell you I don't want to live forever, <laughs> not in this broken, fallen world. Not that I don't love what God has created, not that I don't love every person here, but at some point it's going to be time to be finished with the race and to go and be with Christ. And unless I'm alive when he returns, which I hope I am, because the death thing sounds painful. Unless I'm alive when he returns, someday I'm going to die, right? Someday I'm going to die, and it's the real power of God that comes into play at that moment. That's where the real power comes in, where I get to live eternally because of the power of God and what he's done and my faith in him. And I'm looking forward to that day when he makes all things new, because he does have the power to do that. And I believe it. And I believe it. So we hear about this physical change from this man in Lystra. And this is encouraging. It's an encouraging story because God's power to arrest the effects of the fall by healing sickness, it foreshadows what he's going to do by making all things new. When he takes this man's body, and like I said, it would have had to be head to toe, brain, nerves, muscles, everything all the way down, and he makes this, at some level, he makes this guy's body new. He's showing us just a glimpse, just a picture, just through a glass darkly of what's going to happen when he redeems everything, when everything will be redeemed. And that is why these are good stories. I like to see the power of God. But where we need to place our hope is in him making all things new on that day. Not so much on whether or not we may get to live a few more years or not, or walk or not, or whatever. Now, if you are sick and you need healing, the elders of Acts Church would love to pray for you. And we often do. And we will. And God may heal you. And I hope he does. He has the power to do it. He has the power to do it. But let me just tell you something. If you're spiritually dead, getting healed from some physical infirmity will do nothing for you. 
give you a few more years to walk around spiritually dead. In other words, eternally dead, right? Away from Christ, dead in everything that matters in the life because Jesus is the life, right? Spiritually, like this man, remember he's born, right? From the womb, his feet are dead from the womb. And we're the same way. From the womb, we're born into this broken, fallen world. And then we go on and we rebel on our own. We didn't need any help, right? We do what we want to do. We have our hearts and they go sideways. We know there's a God. Everybody knows there's a God. I don't care what anybody says. It's, it's just there. It's, it's in your heart. It's written there. It's written in nature. In everything we know, there must be a God. Not only that, we know that there's a right and a wrong. We know. No matter how much we try to do it, and, and look, I'm a philosophy major. I've gone through it. I've done all the backflips. No one has ever come up with an ethical theory that makes sense, that does not include transcendent ethics. In other words, ethics that have to come from God. They couldn't come from anywhere else. They have to come from God. Right? We know those things. And yet, even knowing those things and knowing those things are true, we intentionally break them to do what we want to do. We follow after idols. We create idols. We make ourselves into God. We do all of these things, right? And we worship anything but God. And this is what it says in Isaiah 53, 6. And this is the ISV. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the good part of that verse. What? The Lord laid on Jesus all our sin. That's insane to us. The idea that God would do something like that. And yet, that's what had to happen. And why did he do it? Because he loves us. Because he has a great love for us. It says this in Romans 5, 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, worshiping the idols, worshiping ourselves, going after everything else, that is when, okay, Christ died for us. In the midst of that, I am rarely in the mood to be even nice to somebody when they are rebelling against me. I'm certainly not in the mood to go die for the person. And yet that is when, that's, that's the level of love that God has shown for us. So many people in this community within a stone's throw, depending on how hard you can throw a stone, of this church are living spiritually dead. And yet there's hope for them. But they're spiritually dead. My guess is that some in this room or listening or watching the video are in this state. Spiritual death. Have you ever seen the parents who have babies, little babies, and they buy them like the little baby Jordans, right? They're like 80 bucks, and they put these little baby, you know, Michael Jordan shoes on their babies. They've got soles and everything. The kid can't walk, okay? And by the time the child can walk, those Jordans do not fit anymore. And I probably did this for my kids, so I'm not making fun of anybody because they are super cute on a baby, right? But you're putting these sweet shoes on this little baby who can't walk. It's a little strange, I guess. 
but there is no shoe that you can buy. There is no shoe that you can buy. There is nothing that you can buy to make a baby who is not able to walk yet walk. And there is nothing you can buy or drink or watch or read or listen to that will make you spiritually alive if you're spiritually dead. There is no vice. There is no religious practice. You could never do enough. You could never earn enough. You could never be enough by yourself. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. There's only one way to not be spiritually dead. If you're here today and you think, I came to church to do my duty to throw a chip on my side of the thing so that when I get to heaven, I can say, well, I went to church. You're wasting your time if that's what you think is going to get you into heaven. Going to church is good. Don't get me wrong. It's good. But it's not going to save you. Only Jesus Christ does that. Only the power of Jesus Christ. Only by faith that comes by hearing the word of God. Right? That's the only thing that will save you. There are no substitutes for faith in Jesus Christ. In the truth and the power of his resurrection. Because God loves us. He died for us. And he laid our sin on Christ. We can be alive. Got to know it. Got to believe that. That life and that power comes from believing in faith in Jesus and following him. I've told you many times when I talk about the word faith, and we've gone through it, and if you get a chance, you can go back a few months and you can see where we talk extensively about what faith is, but what it is not is some blind thing, right? I'm asking you to just take a leap of faith, just jump out into nowhere. That's not what faith is. Faith is believing in the unseen based on what you can see. This guy in the marketplace didn't have a blind faith, okay? He'd probably heard every two-bit snake oil salesman healer in Greece and Rome come through there. He was probably pretty jaded about that, a guy in this condition. He didn't have faith in that. That's not what he had faith in, right? He had faith because Paul was speaking truth, and he was a witness, a witness of the living Christ who had risen from the dead. And he was talking about and giving evidence that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and this guy believed it. It was believable. It was believable, and he believed it. That's what I'm saying. Putting your faith in Christ is not a blind faith. It's a real faith and a real Christ who really died and really rose again and really is the only way to be right with God. And I'm just going to tell you something. Right now, whether you're following Christ or not, you have faith. You have faith in something right now. You are betting on something right now. Unless you're a believer or a follower of Christ, you're going to die, right? Unless you're a believer and you're alive when he comes back. Even if you're a believer, at some point you're going to die. And you're betting on something. You're betting that nothing's going to happen. You're betting that some other thing's going to happen? That if you're really good, you'll turn into a unicorn? I don't know. There's a lot of things that people believe, okay? That's one of the more fun ones, probably. But you have either become convinced that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, or you have replaced that belief in Jesus as the way with something else. But you believe something. Even if you say you believe nothing, that's what you believe. And you have to have faith to believe it. 
You have to have faith to believe it. You're putting your faith in something. There is no third way. There is no, well, I'm a person who just doesn't have faith at all. Well, no, you have faith in that. You have to believe that based on faith because something is true. There is no third way. You are a person of faith. And when the lame man in Lystra heard Paul speaking, he believed he had faith. And because he had faith in that big, amazing, miraculous truth that we can have life in Christ, that God sent his son to die and rise, because he had belief in that, a a fortiori, he believed he could be healed. Now, there are a lot of a fortiori truths behind the truth of the power that God had to raise Jesus from the dead and that he has to forgive our sins. Okay? There's a lot of things that if he can do that, he can certainly do this. If God did that, then a fortiori, we are not slaves to sin. We are not slaves to our harmful addictions. God can heal the body. He can heal families. He can change our heart's desires. He can take care of our physical and financial needs. He can take care of our children. He can fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill in the blank. If he did this, if he did this amazing, incredible thing, he can do a whole lot of the things that we worry about like that. And this guy got it. He can keep us in him. (laughs) Even us with our still hearts that want to rebel as we walk around in this flesh, he can keep us in him. If God has shown this amazing love by dying for us, can he not do all the things that we need him to do? Should we be walking around anxious, nervous? Should we be worried? Or should we be trusting that the God who has given us eternal life can probably handle the things of our temporal life? And where should we be looking for power? He's got all of it. This guy recognized it. He walked and jumped. Why did he jump? I actually don't know if he walked and jumped because he was so happy about being healed in his legs or if he was just glad that he was able to have that reaction knowing that he'd been healed of his spiritual death. I don't know. I would be doing the second one. We need to jump and be excited. We who are in Christ are alive in him. We who were dead in our sin, who were spiritually dead. And some of you are thinking, man, I know all this already. I've been to church. I've heard you talk about this before. I'm already a follower of Jesus. Let me just tell you something about these simple gospel truths. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is deep and wide. There is so much power there to ponder in what Christ did on the cross and in his resurrection that we could and will talk about it for eternity. For eternity, we will be mesmerized by what happened on that cross. It is the centerpiece of history. That's why we talk about it over and over. But secondly, if you understand it and you get it, and you hammer it into yourself, and you recognize how serious it is, you're very unlikely to walk around and not care for the people around you who don't know it. You will start to see all those expensive Michael Jordan shoes tied to spiritually dead feet. I realize that these people aren't walking. They're trying to fill it with something. They're trying to fill this with something, and then you will have the desire that's in your heart as you believe the gospel to bring it to them, to the lost, to the broken, to the wandering. We will see the works of the Holy Spirit in this place and in this city and in this community and in this region and in this country and in the world if we do this. That's what Paul saw. 
believing in that, in that power of God led him to so easily believe in all the other things that God can do. This is a, a story about physical transformation, but really it, that's the outward sign of the inward transformation that happened in that moment of faith. What does our outward state say about our inward state? Are we being transformed? Is that what it looks like? Are we reaching our friends and neighbors with the good news of the gospel? Are we walking and jumping in our spiritual freedom and healing? Is that what we're doing? Is that how you would describe the life that you're living? If you were to just introspect and say to yourself, I believe all these things about what God did for me. I believe that he has power to do anything. And that in him, he can do that all through me. Do you live in that reality? Is that what your life looks like? It's a question I have to ask myself. It's a question we need to ask ourselves every day. What, does my, what should my life look like? Where's my faith? Am I truly believing this? Because I'm truly believing this. It should mean something. Remember, the work of Christ's church is the work of the Holy Spirit through Christ's church. That's you. It's not just the pastors or the elders or the deacons or the staff of the church. My job is to equip you to look to the Holy Spirit for the power to go out and do the Great Commission. You are Christ's church. You are Christ's church. You are supposed to be the ones who, like this man who was crippled from birth and realized the power of Christ to heal, meant a a fortiori, the power of Christ to heal his legs. You are to go out and to make disciples for Jesus Christ. There are no positions in the church for sitting and listening, and that's it. You sit and listen to me, to your other brothers and sisters. Sometimes you're the one who talks. We're, we're teaching and sharpening and building up each other so that we can go pour it out, so that we can go see the power of Christ, that a fortiori power, that if he did this, man, can he do a million other things, that power in our community. Believe, do. Believe, do. You're the church. Do it. We're studying Acts. The elders chose to study Acts because the book of Acts shows us how to be Christ's church. We have to start looking like what we see here. People sold out. And I see the growth in our church. I'm actually amazed at what the Lord has done in so many of your lives. I'm encouraged by what the Holy Spirit is doing and is going to do through all of us. But I want to encourage you. We are living an adventure. We serve the King of Kings. We serve the God of the universe. It isn't safe. I can tell you that. Please, seriously, for your own safety, do not attempt this adventure in your own power. People have done that, and that road leads to destruction. You cannot, you cannot please God or impress God by working in your own power. You don't have power to do the things that God wants to do through you. You have to go to him. He's the vine. We're just branches. The power comes from him. You've got to go there. If you don't do that, you're going to be in trouble. And many people have found themselves in big trouble. Many pastors, 
Many church planners, many, many, many have gone because they were trying to do it in their own power. Many a Christian has done that. They've held on. Instead of it being faith and the power of Christ, it's been their own power. Abide in his power. Make your righteousness his righteousness. Not yours. His righteousness is your righteousness. There will come a time when we will see the truth face to face. And all things will be made new. And we will be rewarded for our faithfulness in following God. We are his church. We're his people. Let's keep pushing deeper into him. Let's keep asking for more and more and more of him. Let's have that ah fortiori sense. God, we've already, we've already been saved, and that's the most amazing thing I've ever even heard of or could conceive. I could never have conceived of it by myself, and we've already got that. How much more? What else do you want to do? What else do you want to do through us? Who do you want to help? Change our hearts. Make us see the needs. Let's not walk out of this place back to our vehicles, back to our homes, back to our whatever it is that you're going to do today. And forget about the power of the God that you serve. And forget about what he's trying to do. There is no more important thing than the power that God wants to exercise through you in this life. If we live and walk and leap in him, we will see his power. Let's see what happens if we do that. So, do you have that kind of faith and power in your life? Something we all can work on every day. And if you realize that you need Jesus to change everything for you, we'd love to help. Call us with your questions at 360-885-9000. Or send us an email. Use info at axchurchnw.org. Or even better, come see us at Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington this Sunday morning. Get all the info you need at axechurchnw.org. Well, that's all our time for today. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.